0: Now my guest on Book Club this morning is the author of a new book looking further into coloured identity. He's an author, teacher and speaker and holds a PhD in social sciences as well as degrees from South Africa, Europe and the US. He spent much of his career travelling throughout the world and has gained experience working in both the public and private sectors. However, Dr Reuben Richards may be best known for his role alongside Archbishop Desmond Tutu in the TRC where he was Executive Secretary for the Human Rights Violation Committee. He's also the founder of the Reuben Richards Foundation. And the author of several books, including his most recent and the one he's here to talk about this morning, Bastards or Humans? The Unspoken Heritage of Coloured People. And I'm delighted to say that Dr. Reuben Richards joins me in studio now. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much. What an
0: absolute treat to have you. Uh, you. Now listen, this this tome has been uh, working its way round uh, in my bag, uh, in my house. Uh, it's just the most incredible book. I mean, it's it's some, I don't know, where are we, like 600, nearly 600 pages, so I, I haven't finished yet. But it's not the kind of book that you race through. I've been, uh, as you can see my notebook here, I've been reading, writing notes, reading, saying to the other half, listen to this. I mean, it really is just the most incredible book. In the preface of the book, you out the purposes uh, of the book in, in three questions can you tell our listeners what those questions are and why you sought to answer them in particular
1: sure the, the three questions are what we always ask ourselves who am i where do i come from and where am i going these are universal questions that i think most people ask themselves at some point in their lives, especially confused people like myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and me. Uh, yeah, well, interestingly, uh, you say that uh, notwithstanding your achievements, you still experience social rejection and economic exclusion. Can you expand on that?
1: Sure. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have... In, well, let me not overgeneralise. Uh, my experience has been regardless of all my qualifications and my experience, people first see this brown guy in front of them or black guy, depending on the shade of day. And so they see you as a as a stereotype first rather than who you are as a person. Um, and so it's painful, and you got to work through those layers, you know, layers of an onion, I guess, until people get to appreciate who i am as a person so i often tell the story i i get invited to do a lot of public speaking and on one occasion um i was introduced i gave people my cv pretty much like uh, you read out this evening except for one line you should have added a line and he's a colored from cape town <laughs> uh, that's the one and to think he's not a gangster Wow. Ah, uh-huh. So where does that come from? What? Yeah. Where Where does that come from?
0: You know. Sure.
1: So so yeah. I mean, those the stereotypes run deep, mm. uh, and and creates a a subliminal level of exclusion. Yeah. And and forces conversation in a certain direction. Mm. So. People will want to talk to me about gangsterism as if I'm an expert on, well, maybe a little bit, but... uh why, why? Why can't we talk about something else? Just...
0: It's funny you say that because when I when I was growing up, and, and people listen, regular listeners to the show will know this about me. Um, I grew up in in the UK and was a, was adopted from South Africa into the UK, uh, and I was uh, pro- without without the, without the exception with the exception of my brother uh, was the only and I hate the term non-white, but I'm using it for this purpose. Uh, the only non-white um, child person uh, in our in our area for a radius of probably about twenty five miles, mm. and uh, and I remember one day. I was driving in the car with a friend of mine and uh, and a Bob Marley song came on and the entire family, and it's almost like that meme of, uh, they they say, you know, when you're the only um, black person in the car and, and some rap music comes on and everyone turns to look at you. That's essentially what happened. Uh, and then I was asked to explain the whole uh, sort of ideology of Rastafari. That's and I was like, yeah. what? I'm not even from the Caribbean. And I, it was so baffling to mm. me. And at the age of about nine, when I was already having sort of identity issues, mm. it was such a strange thing. What I find really interesting is that you acknowledge that it's painful.
1: Sure, it is painful. Um, no one welcomes rejection, does it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, we like to be loved and accepted and for who we are and so on. But the reality is that you get accepted for who other people think you are. Mm.
0: And mm. then
1: you've got to work with that to get to the core of your own being. Uh, and that's a journey, and we don't often have the energy to do that.
0: True. So. It's interesting, though, that you acknowledge that it's painful because, you know, sitting here um, in front of me now uh, with this, this incredible CV, with, with, with the books that you've got and this one in front of me, it it wouldn't occur to me that you would it would still be painful to you. Because I somehow think that because of all these things, you've somehow risen above that or you've worked through that or it just doesn't bother you.
1: No, no, no. Um, if anybody tells you it doesn't bother them, then they're not real. Uh, you can get kind of used to it. You can get immunized to some extent. But uh, at at the core, uh, it still it still hurts. Yeah. It still hurts. And I think in this particular topic... Uh, is, is one that's not spoken about in a very healthy manner. And and that's the other part of the pain. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's always an apologetic kind of discussion. So why do I have to be apologetic about who I am? Uh, I may not understand all my history and background, which is what then prompted me to, to write the way I have yeah. and do the research that I have. Uh, and from that flows a level of pride and, and, and self-worth that is... Wow, I didn't know this about myself and the people that I supposedly represent. Mm. It's like, wow, these are exciting narratives. Yeah. But why are they not part of the mainstream of our consciousness?
0: Why are they not yeah. part of the mainstream of our consciousness?
1: Well, it's got to do with hardcore racism. You just call a spade a spade. Yeah. yeah. It's got to do with exclusion. It's got to do with. Uh, at a basic human level, fundamental selfishness hmm. uh, and and using um, the modality of of skin color to exclude people,
0: yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the title of the book, Bastards and Humans. Uh, you acknowledge that it may stir up feelings of anger in some people. Talk us through uh, the title, and you, and you give a great explanation in here as to how that came about and the, uh, the sort of entomology of the word. Talk us through that a little bit.
1: Okay, so the, the title is Bastards, if I going to yep. pronounce it properly It's bastards with two A's For those that are listening And <laughs> trying to work out why we're swearing on exactly. air Exactly So it's bastards <laughs> with two A's Which is the Dutch version of the English bastard uh, And and I don't have to explain the meaning of bastard in mm-hmm. English No uh, So it's a word that comes from the 17th and 18th century In South Africa We were colonized by the Dutch If I may remind you um, and so that's where the word comes from. And it's a word that was given, uh, used to describe the offspring of of interaction between European settlers, uh, local Khoisan inhabitants, and, and the slaves, a mixture of all of those gave rise to a very new and unique population that no one quite knew what to do with.
0: Yeah. S- sounds familiar <laughs> now um interestingly for me you you reject you seem to reject the term biracial to describe colored people can you explain why that is and i'm i'm fascinated by this
1: yeah. by means two mm. if i understand the prefix properly and colored people are more than two at the very least uh i mean we carry the genes of the world in our in in our veins really um and so Biracial, so so that's just at the genetic level. Yeah. At the ideological level, it's not helpful because it assumes that racism uh, is embedded in a white-black struggle. Yeah? So you're a product of a white and a black? No, not necessarily. I'm a heterogeneous composition. Uh, so I don't buy. I don't want to buy into the racial polarities. It's too limiting. And, and it doesn't do justice to the indigenous history of our country.
0: What about mixed race?:
1: Mixed can work. It's a mixture. You know But all these terms, mixed race, biracial, um, you know it, it, it all presupposes a contest between white and black.
0: Hmm. That's what
1: lurks behind that kind of discourse. And so i try and shift the discourse and say i'm a heterogeneous type person yes mixed is probably a nice synonym for it yeah but a, a healthy mix not a bad mix
0: so let's focus then on the word colored which which as you write is has so often been uh, either rejected redefined mm. or or embraced what why why those three things and it it tends to to me it seems that uh, sort of the younger generation I wouldn't include my my generation that but the ones a bit younger than me are are tending to reject it a bit more Um, why do you think that is it's a term that has fallen
1: into disrepute as we would call it legally I suppose Um, the 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 purpose of the term initially was to describe a group of people that didn't fit into a racial box mm. so she's going to go slowly with this explanation now so i i define colored people as those that are impossible to put into a racial category okay so, hang on a minute what do you mean the colored people are a race right no race is a social construct yeah? um, it's a it's a label that that's been given to a group of people who by their very essence defies racial definition hmm. so so what happened uh, so there was this, uh, a a system a political system that tried to control and define and Manipulate this group. So, what label do you give them? Colored, okay. Let's stick stick with this label, colored. So, what is it, what did it mean? And I try and give a, a few explanations for mm. for what it meant. Mm. Uh, very very problematic explanations. Very. Uh, and and maybe we should uh, yeah should we take a look at at some of yeah that.
0: absolutely. Yeah? Um, where are we? Page eight. <clears throat> oh, you know the pages. Oh, well, yeah. I think you,
1: help. you're helping me here. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Defining colors. You go ahead. So mm-hmm. I'll just
1: do one or two. So according to Jan Smuts, the prime minister of the Union of South Africa way back in 1919, says colors are an appendage to the whites. Okay. So if, you, if your listeners are going to, they're going to get angry now, right? Yep. I see you getting angry too. Yep. So uh, just take a deep breath. Okay. Take a deep yep. breath. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's long ago. Uh, Let's go to more recent, 1989, uh, former first lady of South Africa, Marika de Klerk. Coloreds are the leftovers. Uh, They're the people who were left over after the nations were sorted out. They are the rest. Coloreds were always under the wings of whites. They've never been on their own. This is now yesterday, right? Mm. Um, And then we have a 2017 quote. Coloureds come from white men raping black women. Hmm. Um, so, not nice.
0: No, and and understandably, therefore problematic. So, with these examples uh, of how of how people uh, black white have have defined coloured people, where where again do you, do you lie? What's your do you have a a definition
1: Do I have a definition? I better find it in the book here somewhere <laughs> yeah, my, my, my I can't help book. you with that number oh, yeah, no, Page 331 I guess Okay So my definition, theory and explanation About the origins of coloured people Is that we are a group of people Who are defined by our non-racial identity And inclusive spirit Ubuntu if you will Or with a slight twist of what is emblazoned On the coat of arms of South Africa a diverse nation united.
0: Mm. Where would you put me, Dr Richards, as somebody who has a has one black parent and one white parent? And I'm fascinated to hear where you would put me because the conversations, I mean, I've just written a whole book about it, but the conversations that I have, uh, and and more often than not, um, it's white people and black people who are very, very keen to, to tell me that I'm coloured. Where, what do you what do you say I am?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness me! Uh, and you 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 can be whoever you are. I mean, yeah. You 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 put yourself in your own box.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I've created a new yeah. box. Yeah.
1: Um, and and to some extent, I'm I'm easy about that. Mm. Yeah? Um, but where would I put you from if, if, mm. if I'm looking at you?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Okay, well, go that's on. The point, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I
1: have the benefit of, of that that your listeners don't have. Yeah, so, <laughs>
0: lucky for them. So if yeah. I
1: close my ears and I look at you, I say, ah, here's a girl from the Cape Flats, right? <laughs> 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 if, I, if, if when I say it, I can say it quite crudely in Afrikaans, I say, know, you're Mont mm. up, Mark. I say, oh, my goodness, hang on a minute. Uh, she's not from here, right? No, she ain't. Uh-huh. Uh, it's the challenge that my daughter faces, right. too. Uh, she grew up in uh, Johannesburg, yeah, and learned to speak Afrikaans there. So right. she doesn't speak the Kaups yeah, yeah, Afrikaans. You know, uh, my my wife and I always tease her that she she speaks like a Pretoria poppy, <laughs> <you know?
0: laughs> shame, yeah,
1: because <laughs> that's where she learned the language, yeah, um, and and she had a, a very difficult time adjusting when we moved back to Cape Town a few years ago, because mm. uh, well. She looks like us, she's got hair like us, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I do know. But she doesn't talk like us. Yeah. And then, of course, you start peeling the onion and you say, well, and she doesn't quite make the jokes that we do. Yeah. And she doesn't share the assumptions Absolutely about right. people that, that Absolutely we do. right. And then you get to the real core of, of the identity yeah. issue and identity crisis. So, so then, who are you actually?
0: Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's this is such a fascinating discussion, and as I said earlier, um, uh, so just uh, recap. If you are just joining us, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by Dr. Ruben Richards, uh, whose new book, "Bastards or Humans: The Unspoken Heritage of Colored People," is now available. Um, please do go and get yourself a copy. It's the most incredible book. I've been sitting uh, with the book and a notebook and, uh, and my uh, very patient other half uh, for the whole weekend, saying you'd have to listen to this and then writing things down and then going back and referencing. And um, yeah, I, I have I have yet to finish the book. Um, as I was saying before, I was on a, a discussion panel for Open Book with um, Zemitri Erasmus, uh Malika and Glowu, Sarah Sarmas and Kelly Cookman, and we were asked to talk about uh, coloured mentality and coloured identity. Mm. Um, and it was such a fascinating discussion. I think there need to be more of them. And we all, I think, w- w- essentially what we came to was that there is no... Uh, monolithic experience of being black or being coloured, uh, and that's why it becomes so problematic. Is because people want there to be yeah. so that we fit neatly into that box yeah. and we can tick coloured. Well, you know, for the on my my birth certificate says white. My father is Sutu. My it's a whole thing. So I mean, and it's interesting that you say you know the world doesn't know what to do with me. Sure. The world, South Africa—not the world actually, South Africa. No, no. South world. Africa no, no. doesn't. You can say the world. I would say, say the, world. More... the world, the world, less than South Africa, the country where I am from. Uh, the world knows mm. more to do with me uh, than than South Africa does. To South Africa, still, not sure. Look at me. we will definitely coloured. Sounds. Not like anything here, mm-hmm. um, but says father's black, and you know, and any given hairdo could be anything. Sure. So, just talk a little bit to that idea of uh, the expectation of a monolithic, coloured experience.
1: What bedevils the, this discussion is is the tribal mentality. Yeah. So, for let's, I, I, I'm going to be brave and say, for the past four hundred years uh south africa is being imbibed with a tribal mindset mm. all right um and come to the apartheid era they define it they say well there are four races in south africa mm. right there's whites there's indians and there's colors and so and and, and africans mm. and then you peel that away you say well then there are seven different types of colors you know the younger generation say what i said yeah there's seven different types of colors and ten different kinds of blacks. Mm. You know, Indians, okay, one type of Indian, and, and, and whites, no, there's only one type there's of just
0: white. just one type, yeah. Now,
1: now, if you've been to Europe, you would know yeah. that there's a little more than one type of white. Yeah. And so where does this differentiation come from and who makes that decision? Uh, so so that's the first level of discussion, yeah. just to diffuse things. Um, as far as... Um, Operating within a particular cultural frame mm. um, and interacting with like-minded people, all of that has to do with your socialization. Yeah. And the example I give in the book is take a Russian baby and insert that baby into the Cape Flats um, and get socialized and reared in the language and the, uh, the habits and, and the ways of the people of the Cape Flats. What is that baby?
0: Yeah,
1: a Russian or a cops are Yeah, uh, uh, you know yeah. Uh, it's like oh well never thought of that mm. um, so it's all it's, it's all about socialization the issue ultimately comes for South Africa is this obsession with color
0: yeah
1: um, and that's that's the evil and the insidious aspect of of identity I will hasten to add and maybe remind us all that South African next to Nazi Germany was only the second most evil system in the world. And of the two ideologies declared a crime against humanity, apartheid was one of them and yeah. Nazism was the other. Yeah. Now we get used to these things uh, because we have to navigate life, but uh, we've had to navigate abnormality. Yeah. And we are only now, what, 23 years into some semblance of trying to be normal.
0: Yeah, you say something uh, in the book um, I suspect that a few decades from now people will find it difficult to believe that my generation actually lived through apartheid one of the most vicious and racist systems of governance, identity and ethnicity manipulation in the world the fact is that I am part of a generation who were eyewitnesses with first hand participant and victimhood experiences of living through the apartheid system it really happened, however my children's question is, so what did you do about it dad Mm. that for me is one of the most powerful of what I've read one of the most powerful pieces in in the book um how do you answer that question
1: sure it's it's a it's a tough one um we we have tried to to raise our kids outside of the narrow confines of of race yeah um and perhaps just a bit of marketing not marketing well background i guess Um, our first child uh, was born in switzerland Mm -hmm. because we were students at the time we should have been studying but we had a baby Um, (laughs) (laughs) um And everybody assumes he's Swiss. No, he's not Swiss, he's South African. The Swiss don't dish out citizenship. No, certainly not. No, No, exactly. (laughs) Um, And not that we were looking for it, but uh, he's a South African. My daughter was born in Johannesburg. And, of course, um, me, I'm what they call a cape-colored. Yeah. Sort of hardcore Mm. uh, Cape Town boy. So what do you say to your kids? Um, because this is not their experience yeah. right? and, and, and part of The challenge as parents is to Not superimpose Your your history And your baggage onto mm. The next generation, very difficult um, But the fundamental Question is, okay, so we understand this dad But now what did you do to fix it?
0: Yeah
1: And it's a challenge I put out to All the listeners and, and everyone else So we can binge and whinge And complain, but ultimately we've got to change things. Yeah. And so my small contribution to that process of change is to reflect critically and honestly about my life and my experience mm. and see and be aware of those things that, that simply should not be repeated over generations. Yeah. And part of writing so, so many pages, I guess, is, is part of that struggle. Yeah. Um, create a new framework for a new consciousness, uh, for a new future
0: that passage that I just read it it really it really sort of struck a nerve with me because it's the question that I having grown up in the UK and then having come back to South Africa sort of in my in my 20s and not really having had and and you speak about this but but I think it's on a different level about not having a uh, or having a naivety or a lack of education around African history I certainly had that a, a complete ignorance of South African history so when I came back here uh and and I learned more about South Africa and more about the atrocities of apartheid. That was my question. What did you all do about it? Mm. And and I still ask that question to this Mm. day. Let's go to the SMS stand. Hi there, guys. Very interesting chat this early morning. Wow. I'm a coloured female and Dr Richard said we are judged by the way we speak. I'm a very English coloured who had gone to a Model C schools all my life, so didn't sound like someone from the Cape Flats. But I find that even if I don't open my mouth, and people in the community see me, even if they don't know me. There would be Afrikaans but speak English to me. How does that work? Also, there is a language, indigenous or not, that colored people should be speaking besides Afrikaans and English. Uh, thanks from Denise Jacobs. Denise, lovely to have you uh, listening in tonight. And thanks so much for your comment. Uh, thoughts, Dr. Richards?
1: Gee. Uh, try it, Ruben. No? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sorry, Reuben. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, you know, when, when I popped out uh, many years ago, Mom said, "Reuben, that's the guy. <laughs> Behold his son." Uh, Denise, um, I wish I could see you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple of things in 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 that commentary. Um, yes, people go. People react to you by what they see mm. before what they hear Uh, and so they already box you yeah Um, and and the color and tone of the skin uh, becomes a differentiator in in my instance because i have a darker skin than most colors uh, people assume that i am probably well you you see that that, there's a oh okay now what 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 box do we put exactly yeah so and i and i don't help I don't know, okay? And then Mm. you talk about model C. Uh, Then I opened my mouth Mm. and I I was raised to speak English. Mm. My parents spoke Afrikaans to each other, but they made sure that the children spoke English because somehow they understood that this is going to, yeah, yeah. the currency of the language. Um, The Afrikaans that I speak, I learned, uh, um, and and that comes with hazards um, and trauma. So in my own family, we've had a suicide um, of a a side of the family that came out blonde, blue eyes and didn't quite fit into the browner side of things Mm. and jumped off a seven story building here in Mm. the center of town. So that kind of not fitting in uh, becomes a very critical and painful issue. Mm. So the one happy family. Is easier said than done, mm. because we've been socialized to think that the lighter-skinned is brighter and whiter and better, uh, and darker as well, and that that comes from a, a history uh, of of racism that defines darker shade of people as more savage and cannibalistic, and the lighter shade and native, yeah, and the lighter shade. Been more civilized or European, mm. as, as, as they say. Mm. Mm. So, one of the things I guess let's say coloured people have to come to terms with is that we have all the shades, mm. and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, it's something that we need to celebrate. So why why are we not able to do that? Yeah, it's because we've been bastardised been made to feel less than um, and so I would like to spend some time uh, with people to make them feel better than mm. Mm. what they feel now.
0: Why do you think it is that the history of the Khoisan gets off, so often negated or neglected uh, or even er- erased and in that sense is it true that history is won by the victors? Uh,
1: that is absolutely true that history is written by the victors mm. Uh, written by the victors, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll take you to the back cover of the book. Um, a quote from 1605 Sir Edward Mickleborn, a British official visiting the Cape. The people of the Cape are the most savage and beastly people God has ever created. Now, a couple of things to observe it's the people of the Cape,
0: mm.
1: so, so it's geographically described. Mm. Because they didn't have a label for the people yet, yeah, the Hottentot label came later, the bastard came later, and so forth, so yeah. these people here uh, yeah, they describe them with woolly hair and and darker skin, but they are geographically defined, yeah, not morally defined, yeah uh, quite 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 an important distinction um, and so that that is a dominant view that uh, these people are savagey and beastly and cannibalistic mm. and we are the ones or the we are the custodians of civilization yeah you know so you have got to aspire to be like us and so i think it's mohammed is it mohammed mm. your, your, your yeah. previous uh, uh whatsapp person mm. um that aspiration to to want to be whiter and lighter and straighten the hair and all of this i've got no hair to talk about so it's <laughs> not an issue for me uh, when I was younger, that, that was certainly part of the package. You know? You've know, got to try and look like that person. Yeah. And that person we call a European mm. because that person is closer to God than we are. Uh, yeah. yeah you now we're getting into some serious the, stuff here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? Uh, and so we have to disabuse ourselves of that kind of indoctrination. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't come easy. So the Khoisan experience, or the indigenous experience, uh, has been written out of the narrative. Mm. So I, I often start my seminars, and I say to people: "So tell me, who was the first South African to travel overseas?" I say, ah, no, I'm going to just fast forward the whole discussion. I said, "Well, he travelled. He it was a it was a male from Cape Town, uh, a gentleman from Cape Town, went by ship to England. He was the guest in one of the wealthiest business people in England." Um, um, learned English learned a bit of commodity trading and came back and was meant to be the strategic link person um, for the British based here in Cape Town his name was Curry. Um yeah so what well the so what is you're asked me so when did this happen mm. and my answer is sixteen hundred and thirteen it's like, um, and my audience, as I'm sure you're listening, to say, um, hang on, hang on, hang on, but but civilization started in 1652, right? Yeah, yeah we've been doc- indoctrinated to think that. So I spend a whole chapter in my mm. book about the years before Frontier Rubik mm. arrived because mm. there was life here, yeah, uh, there was trade here, and uh, I document uh, how many uh, cattle and how much oxen and and stuff was sold and traded between the local Khoisan people and the passing ships. Mm. Um, it's like, really? Why is it not in the history? Well, we got to ask the historians, I mm. guess. Mm. You know, it's not part of the the, the main narrative. No. Uh, and it doesn't then inform who we are as people. I mean, we had a vibrant trading population in the Cape, mm. the people of the Cape. Uh, so You...
0: You've spoken, and I've touched on this before, you've spoken about your uh, ignorance, your naivety uh, when you were traveling overseas mm. um, to do with um, African history. Mm-hmm. Are you concerned that generations to come will be similarly naive, ignorant, Absolutely. uneducated?
1: Absolutely. If we, d- they will they will, <laughs> they will go to the grave ignorant. That's the tragedy of it all. Um, unless there's a structural change in our curriculum and our education system, yeah. To introduce new impulses, new levels of awareness, a new consciousness about who we are as a continent. Mm. You know, the the Hegelian uh, 19th century view of Africa was that Africa has no history and therefore has no civilization and therefore has nothing to offer, Mm. which is what I I Mm, introduced mm, the book with. mm. Um, And I get this firsthand as a student studying in Europe. Like me, It's my generation, for goodness sake. Mm. And, I, and your German and, professor
0: says, and my you, German
1: professor says, You've you got nothing to offer. Mm. It's like, except song and dance. It's mm. like, really? I mean, I didn't have words to answer him. Yeah. Because where do you begin? You can, you can get angry. Mm. But, you know, when you're having an intellectual kind of discussion, you've got to put your anger on it, one yeah, side.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't help when you know, it's an a battle of ideas yeah.
1: and an understanding of history and so forth. And, and then you have to start reading and researching. And then you realize, actually, I've been ill-prepared for life. Yeah. The education system has ill-prepared me.
0: It has um, failed you.
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it is. Yeah. So we've got to fix it. And so to answer my children's question, so what are you doing about it, Dad? Mm. That's what I'm doing about it. Yeah. I try and be honest and, and robust in my, my research. And I then, through my organization, host a number of seminars around identity and healing. You cannot divorce the two uh, because there's a lot of pain that sits in people's lack of identity. And it's it manifests itself in all sorts of dysfunction, from gangsterism through to family abuse to self-abuse, um, self, and so forth. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I try and do these days. Mm. Um, I've done other things before. Um, I've been part of the nation-building process in the country. Um, and as a general comment, um, not everybody gets a chance to have fairly high-profile positions and so on. So we, we all, no matter who we are and no matter what, Uh, Position we hold in life or What job we do We all are able To make a positive contribution To this new country of ours Mm -hmm. And the The key that will Bind us all um, Is a striving For excellence That's my Sermon that I Preach all the time Because it cuts across race It cuts across Culture Um It's about excellence, and for me, excellence is a spiritual issue uh, more than anything else. It it speaks to issues of stewardship and being responsible for that which you have been given to look after. Mm. Let's not take life for granted. Let's not take the environment for granted and the people around us for granted. Let's treasure them, and let's nurture that. Mm. Uh, but that, that's it's just been Sunday right so I can preach a little bit yeah
0: right? Amen. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> for sure can I get a witness listen uh, the book is called Bastards or humans the unspoken heritage of colored people uh, by my guest this evening dr. Reuben Richards please uh, get to your library get wherever you need to get to get a copy now I understand that you're doing a reprint in April is that right no
1: no 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 uh, uh, end of the month
0: at, at the end of this it'll, month it
1: will be out at the end of the month it takes about two two weeks to print these many copies. So. Please,
0: if you are a teacher, if you're a lecturer, if you're a parent, if you are anybody, get hold of this book and read it, and, and read it in the way that I've been reading it, which is slowly and considerately. Uh, this is a really, really important uh, piece of work uh, for uh, South Africa and uh, globally also.